You're listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Your Community Spirits on Your Community Radio, WDBX 91.1 FM. My name is Tree Song. I will be your host for this episode of Your Community Spirit, or is off on another one of his solar adventures. So in the meantime, we've got plenty of news, happenings, holidays to inform you, keep your brain filled with all sorts of interesting things. We will get to a little bit of music, and then we will come back with the news. Get to some of today's news. Our first story is Climate Change March to Descend on Washington in April. Motivated by the success of the Women's March last weekend, as well as the Trump administration's efforts to revamp, the article doesn't have that in quotes, but I think they should have that in quotes. The Trump administration's efforts to revamp the National Environmental Protection and Science Policy, EPSI groups have announced a People's Climate March on Wednesday on on Washington, excuse me, for April 29th. A steering committee of more than two dozen organizations is organizing the event. It is supported by the major national environmental groups and an array of social justice, religious, and labor groups, ranging from the Hip Hop Caucus to the Franciscan Action Network to the Blue Green Alliance. More than 100 groups have endorsed the march. That's pretty quick, considering this is still a very new idea. I mean, the climate march in general is not a new idea, but having this new one, they've done a couple of big ones before. So the People's Climate uh, March is an effort it, to recreate the coalition that put together the largest climate march in history. When 400,000 people gathered in the streets of New York City in September of 2014 to coincide with the United Nations General Assembly. This time, the groups are turning their sights on Washington, where Donald Trump is embarking on his agenda for the first 100 days, which aims to sweep aside climate protections and expand fossil fuel development. Climate activist Bill McKibben, the co-founder of 350.org, wrote the story in Rolling Stone magazine that the purpose of the march was, quote, to show the elect that the election didn't cancel physics. <laughs> Now, that's one thing that's been discussed a lot in the climate movement for years now, is the fact that, you know, we have different political opinions, different approaches to solving political questions, but those differences don't cancel physics. <laughs> Regardless of your politics, there is global warming, human beings are the primary cause, and there are a lot of negative effects coming out of it. 
So we, we are searching for solutions. So here's another quote from McKibben. Politicians need to be reminded, even as they do the bidding of the industry, that the rest of us are watching, McKibben wrote, noting that the march will take place on the 100th day of the Trump administration. His early surge can't be avoided, but it can be slowed. A key question for the climate movement, however, is whether it can coalesce into a political force beyond turning out protesters in the streets. Just over a year ago, it looked as though climate activists had, indeed, translated their organizing skill into political muscle. With the defeat of the Keystone XL pipeline and the achievement of a global climate treaty in Paris. But that progress has been stopped dead with the election of Trump, who on Monday signed an executive memorandum aimed at resurrecting the Keystone XL. In a sign of how Trump's actions are energizing the movement, environmental organizers quickly turned out a protest of a thousand people outside the White House only hours after the pipeline decision. Now, I've, I've organized, well, I've been involved in demonstrations before, and getting a thousand people out that quickly is pretty impressive. Here's a quote. This morning, Trump made clear that he is putting pipelines over people, said Mike Tidwell, director of the Chesapeake Climate Action Network, which is joining the effort to organize the march. We want to make it clear, we will never stop fighting. There has also been discussion of a march of scientists to defend climate science, but no date has been set. Throughout the first 100 days in office, the People's Climate Movement is organizing a countrywide arc of action culminating on April 29th in Washington, D.C., in a powerful mobilization to unite all of our movements, the protest organizers said on their website. Quote, to change everything, we need everyone. And on that note, as soon as I heard that they were having a People's Climate March in Washington, D.C., the idea occurred to me that we could have one here in southern Illinois. So I am talking to people who are interested in starting a People's Climate March here, right here in southern Illinois on April 29th. If you're interested, you can email me at treesong at treesong.org. And let's see what we can do for the climate and for all of the people affected by the climate. other news, the Standing Rock Sioux will not back down. The Standing Rock Sioux tribe and its supporters are vowing to resist Donald Trump's executive order to allow construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline with legal action, civil disobedience, and a return to the water protector encampments. Quote, President Trump is legally required to honor our treaty rights and provide a fair and reasonable 
reasonable pipeline process, said Standing Rock Sioux Tribal Leader, Tribal Chair Dave Archambault II, who called Trump's action, quote, politically motivated. Creating a second Flint does not make America great again, he added. The executive order represents a major, if not wholly unexpected, reversal of fate for the $3.8 billion project, which was slated to cross the Missouri River just upstream of the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation. The tribe feared the pipeline would contaminate their drinking water and destroy sacred sites. And it's, wor- it's worth noting that an earlier routing of the pipeline was passing uh, through you know, non-reservation land, and the white residents objected, so they routed it onto indigenous lands. So on December 5th, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers denied a permit for the pipeline to cross the river, handing a major victory to thousands of Native Americans and to environmental activists who established encampments on the banks of the river to oppose the pipeline. The denial of the permit and initiation of an environmental impact statement were expected to delay the pipeline's completion for years. Because, yeah, environmental impact statements to analyze new routes, that means they have to assess all of the environmental impacts along the routes, they have to take public comments, and that whole process takes time. So they thought that a delay was in place. Water protectors in Washington, D.C. were already mobilizing on Facebook to protest at the White House on Tuesday evening. Quote, Stopping these projects will require action at home in the halls of power and in the path of each pipeline, the group wrote. Jan Hasselman, a lawyer representing the tribe, said that Trump had, quote, unlawfully and arbitrarily sidestepped the findings of the previous administration. Quote, it's an insult to the Standing Rock and all of its supporters in Indian country, and it's a continuation of a historic pattern of trampling on Native rights, he added. Now this reminds me of an analogy that I, I don't remember which person it was, but someone associated with the demonstrations the analogy that uh, if if Trump was elected, that he he technically could do something to reinstitute the pipeline, but that's similar to saying you could rob a bank if you wanted to. There are consequences if you do it. <laughs> so Trump seems to have taken the rob a bank route and deal with the consequences, because according to at least some legal analysts. Once you've initiated this environmental impact statement process, you're supposed to complete it, rather than just saying, oh, well, for no reason whatsoever, we think the science has changed and we're just going to go through with it. In other news, climate change acceptance grows in the U.S., even as voters elect candidates who deny it. The American public's awareness, understanding, and concerns about climate change is at or near record highs, according to a new analysis by researchers from Yale and George Mason Universities. 
This high point in public concerns about climate change comes at the same time that American elected that Americans elected President Donald Trump, despite his frequent denial of climate change and his per fossil fuel politics. How did that happen? This new analysis, released last week, offers some clues. The study is based on a national survey of 1,226 people that was conducted after the election, between November 18th and December 1st. The researchers found 70% of Americans now believe in global warming, and 55% understand it's caused largely by humans. These are both slight increases over last year and approach the record levels from 2008, when researchers first started tracking public perception on the issue. That's also shortly before the, there was a big pushback from the fossil fuel industry to confuse the American public, which did lead to a drop in the uh, perceptions on the issue. The analysis also showed a record high 19% of participants who were very worried, quote, very worried about climate change and a near record 42% of surveyees who were somewhat worried about it. Now, if only 19% of the uh, American public is worried about climate change, they have not been listening to this radio show. But those who have are aware of the issue, I'm sure. Although these levels are relatively high, they, quote, have a lot of room to grow, said Anthony Leserowitz, director of the Yale Program on Climate Change Communications. Reflecting on Trump's election win, uh, he told Inside Climate News that, quote, it's clear that this was not a climate change election. But while climate change is not at the top of many voters' priority lists, he said it, quote, is certainly moving in the right direction. He pointed to the survey results on public perception about climate risks. According to the analysis, compared to two years ago, more people in the U.S. now believe global warming could harm people in developing countries, in the U.S., future generations, their families, and even them personally. Still, there are some glaring gaps in public perception. Only 15% of survey participants understand that virtually all climate scientists are in agreement that human-caused global warming is happening in a dangerous threat. That's up slightly since early 2015. Now, I've seen numerous different sources cite the importance of that as a communication strategy because um, if people know that virtually all climate scientists agree with with that consensus, then they're much more likely to listen to the evidence and listen to the possible impacts and take action on it. So American perception is starting to become aware of climate change and the concerns it poses for ourselves and future generations, like my talkative daughter, Bedelia, here. <laughs> She's excited to be on the radio and excited to hear all of this news. In other news, solar employs more people in U.S. electricity generation than oil, coal, and gas combined. In the United States, more people were employed in solar power last year than in generating electricity through coal, gas, and oil energy combined. 
According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Energy, solar power employed 43% of the electric power generation sector's workforce in 2016, while fossil fuels combined accounted for just 22%. It's a welcome statistic for those seeking to refute Donald Trump's assertion that green energy projects are bad news for American jobs. It's apparently actually good news for American jobs. Just under 374,000 people were employed in solar energy, according to the report, while coal, gas, and oil power generation combined had a workforce of slightly more than 18, excuse me, 187,000. So still quite a significant difference between the two. The boom in the country's solar workforce can be attributed to construction work associated with expanding generation capacity. So solar is on the rise. The Gulf in employment is growing with net generation from coal falling 53% over the last decade. So coal is on the decline. During the same period, electricity generated from natural gas increased 33%, while solar expanded 5,000%. Fuel production and electricity generation together directly employed 1.9 million workers last year, according to the report, with 55% or 1.1 million working with fossil fuels. So if you count the actual extraction of the fossil fuels, that does increase the numbers for fossil fuel industry. But it is still a very impressive number of solar jobs here. Solar energy added 73,615 new jobs to the U.S. economy over the past year while wind added a further 24,650. So clean energy creates jobs and brings us energy in a cleaner way than some of the other sources. That's certainly some good news to hear. Let's get into some of these holidays. Now, this first holiday is a really exciting one. Chocolate Cake Day. It's actually been a little while since I've had chocolate cake. I don't remember exactly when the last time was. So that means it's been too long. And today is the day for it. The Chinese New Year is also coming up. Data, Data Privacy Day is coming up on Saturday. Fun at Work Day and National Kazoo Day. So... You can play the kazoo at work, and hopefully you'll have fun and not get fired. National Puzzle Day is coming up on Sunday, and National Corn Chip Day. All sorts of interesting holidays. Tuesday is Backward Day, and Inspire Your Heart with Art Day. And coming up on Thursday is Groundhog Day, Candlemas, and Imbolc. It's a time when we're still in the middle of winter, but... We're past solstice, so the light is starting to return little by little and giving us a little bit of hope that the warm weather <laughs> will soon return. I mean, that's the idea. We've had glimpses of the warm weather uh, this winter in very strange ways anyway, but it certainly feels like winter out there today, so we're looking forward to the light returning here in southern Illinois.
right, let's get into some of our happenings. Now, I'll mention this one slightly out of chronological order, just so I don't forget, since it was just sent in to us. Um, we mentioned the, uh, all of the exhibits around water that have been happening recently. Well, one of the water exhibit talks had to be rescheduled. So, Matt, Matt Waz's presentation on ecology of the cache is coming up on Tuesday at January 20, excuse me, January 31st, this coming Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Carbonale Community Arts, 304 West Walnut. So there's still an opportunity to learn about the ecology of the cache. And it's very interesting, very relevant to our local region because it's about the cache. And I can hear Bedelia very excited about learning about local waterways, local e ecosystems. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some of our other happenings. We have Free Cycle. You may have heard of Free Cycle. It's sort of like a rummage sale, but everything's free. <laughs> It's an opportunity for you to donate stuff that you're no longer using, that someone else might like, or you can come and pick up stuff that other people have donated. It's where unwanted stuff finds a new home. So Free Cycle's coming up. It's already started, and it's hours today are 12 to 4 p.m. over at Gaia House. Other happenings we have going on, Food Not Bombs. It's coming up uh, today, Friday at 6 p.m., also at Gaia House. They are seeking to end hunger and poverty and not just feed it. They offer free vegetarian meals at Guy House every second and fourth Friday at 6 p.m. There's no menu available because the meals will be based on the donations they receive. It's basically a big potluck where they take all the food that they've found that was going to otherwise go to waste, and they, uh, they share it over at the Guy House for food, not bombs. That's tonight at 6 p.m. Also coming up, we have the Kitchen Gadget Swap. This is coming up on Saturday at 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. over at the Neighborhood Co-op Grocery. It's an annual Kitchen Gadget Swap. They invite people to bring their gently used kitchen gadgets and small appliances to swap with others. It's another fun way to share things, things that you may, you know, you yourself may not be using something, but it's still perfectly usable, so you can bring it to the Gadget Swap and you may find something you like to replace it. All right, in other happenings, we have the Winter Indoor Community Farmers Market. This happens on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to noon at the Carbondale Community High School at the Walnut Street entrance. Now, it's, if you go to farmers markets a lot, it's worth noting this is the indoor farmers market. <laughs> it is a little cold out there during the winter sometimes, so they move it indoors for the winter. They have all sorts of fresh local produce. Yeah, and Bedelia really likes to talk about it. You can probably hear her a little bit. <laughs> She's very eager for the farmer's market. They also have other non-food items like soaps, crafts, and more during the winter months. So it's coming up on Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon, at the Carbondale Community High School. Also coming up, we have Black History Month at SIU. Now this is going on for all of February. Well, and it's going on for the whole nation, but SIU has a series of events related to Black History Month. This is an annual observance in February, celebrating the past and present, present achievements of African Americans. The 2017 theme is The Crisis in Black Education. For a full calendar of events, you can visit smrc.siu.edu. wanted to highlight a few of the events here. We've got a big calendar in front of us, but the uh, on Wednesday, 
February 1st is the kickoff. They have a big kickoff event at Morris Library in the Guyon Auditorium. That's and and the first floor rotunda. It's sponsored by the Black History Month Planning Committee and the Morris Library. They also have on Thursday a uh, state-of-the-art black college students documentary and keynote lecture at 5 p.m. on Thursday at the Fainer Hall University Museum. All sorts of good events here. You can go to smrc.siu.edu for the full schedule. Let's see. We've also got coming here, oh, this is, we mentioned chocolate earlier, uh, the Taste of Chocolate. That's coming up on Friday at 6 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. The Women's Center is proud to announce the 2016 Taste of Chocolate fundraising event. Now, I've been to this event before. It's a very fun event. They have all sorts of chocolate-related dishes there. There's a live and silent auction, 50-50 raffle, and a variety of sweets and savory chocolate tastings. So... It's really interesting, the variety, because you think of just sweets for chocolate, but they also have some savory chocolate dishes, too. Last year, the event yielded over 400 attendees and brought in $35,000 for the Women's Center. So it's a really good time, and it's also a really big deal for a very good local cause. It, it makes it possible for them to continue providing invaluable services to members of the Southern Illinois community. 2017 Taste of Chocolate will be hosted at the Carbondale Civic Center, February 3rd, 2017, with doors opening at 6 p.m. <laughs> I think that's the one Badia is most excited about. Yeah, it's got chocolate and it's got, uh, it's got, uh, it's got chocolate and support for the Women's Center. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So, let's see, we've got time for one more event listing here, and it's for this, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, mark your calendars. The Peace Coalition Peace and Justice Vigil, Make America Great by Protecting Justice and Equality for All. It's going on on Saturday, February 4th at 12 p.m. at the corner of Illinois and Maine in Carbondale. And we'll talk about that more next time. In the meantime, it's been a really fun and exciting episode of Your Community Spirit. Bedelia clearly had a good time. <laughs> I had a good time here, too, sharing all this with you. And we hope you have a good weekend. We will see you here next week on the radio. We've actually managed to wrap it up on time this week. This might be a, a I don't know, 16-year first for your community spirit. <laughs> and Dave will be at Harbaugh's Cafe at 1030. So stop by and see Dave and talk with him about your feelings as to what's going on in the world today. Yes, your opportunity to have your voice right here on WDBX. All right, so we will go ahead and get to that. We will get to our underwriters first, but thank you for joining us for Your Community Spirit. You can go to yourcommunityspirit.org for the archive. And in the meantime, we will see you here next week on the radio.